You guys are all aware of what's going out in the world politically, going on here in this country. Um, democracy is important, and it feels like it's eroding from us. This show is a part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. With the midterms coming, it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken, and we've had enough of the corruption, the gridlock, and the partisanship. But if we work together, we can fix things. We've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization, to give you the tools you need to get involved. Now until November, there are opportunities to join a campaign to make our elections fair and even sign up to be a poll worker. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Hello, it is Bring It In with me, Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am doing great. And before we get into all the basketball discussion, uh, I just want to say one thing. Our new show, Tactics. (laughs) <laughs> is going to focus on tactics, on court only stuff. But bring it in. Give me 30 seconds here when you talk about democracy. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but the former president mm. yesterday reached a new low, which is not easy to do when you're him. Okay. <laughs> he basically called for the ra- If you want to find out who's leaking things, mm-hmm. then have the bosses get raped in prison. They'll mm-hmm. talk then. Mm-hmm. So when he's, wh- what he said was put them in jail. They'll be married soon, is what he said. Married soon. Everyone applauded. Mm-hmm. What he's really saying is they will be raped mm-hmm. by someone in prison, pr- probably bigger than them or meaner mm-hmm. or tougher or whatever. And then they'll tell you who leaked. Mm-hmm. This is where we're at. With the leader of one of our two political parties, without question, he's the face of that, of that party. Yep. And, his, and his 40% of the country who support him no matter what, even when he calls for the raping of likely innocent people, Because maybe they'll know who on their staff leaked something that they didn't want leaked. They should be raped for it in jail. This is where we're at, Gerard. Uh, Listen, this is why (laughs) democracy is important, right? And and really making sure that we we change the things that are going on. It's, I mean, this is as you said, it's not very easy. Uh, I mean, (laughs) for him to hit a new low, it's like, I mean, with this guy, I mean, he, he he wallows in the gutter and and you know beneath all standards of human decency. But as you said, forty percent of the country roll with this dude, no regardless. What. No matter um, what, you know, and, and that's problematic for us. Yeah. But I'm I'm glad you brought up tactics. That was fun. Um, I, I was hoping nobody nobody was like, "Why are you guys talking about this stuff?" I, I I felt the feedback was pretty good. We got some really nice comments about this stuff. We're going to continue to do more of this project we're working on, and perhaps one of the teams we talk about today will will be in full focus on one of the one of the things coming up. Uh, it's early in the season, so you know, no need to lose your mind about anything yet. Last year, uh, the Celtics started off poorly, and Jason Tatum wasn't shooting the ball well, and everybody outside was climbing for you got to break up him and Brown. It's not working, and you know the big basketball brain of Coach Thorpe and the measured response was, oh, "Shots look fine. They're gonna fall." <laughs> and sure enough, Tatum was fine. The shots fell. He looked fine. He was All NBA first team. They went to the finals. All good. So let's not lose our minds <laughs> over three games. However, right. there's some weird juju going on with a couple teams, Coach. Um, so let's start with the Los Angeles Lakers. 0-3, um, their most recent loss to the surprising 3-0 and Portland Trailblazers. Um, the ending sequence in that game was just very bizarre. Lakers were up one, I believe. Um, the Blazers, for most of the game, was having Nurk on Russ. And he was like, I'm not concerned about him offensively. 
the Lakers could have Russ could have dribbled the ball out and waited for something to happen because you know the the, the Blazers were trying to get the ball back and try to go for a score to tie or take the lead. And Russ pulls up into a jumper, which he didn't hit, of course. Then you saw LeBron and AD on the floor being like, "What are you doing? Like, what? run some clock, whatever." It just looked bad, Coach. Um, and you know, in the post game media, the media people tried to get LeBron to say something about Russ. LeBron didn't. You know, it's just. This is just a very strange situation, but I know you have many, many thoughts. Yes. We can start granular. That was a fucking terrible decision. Uh, it's an embarrassment. And so in one, in one way, what Westbrook did makes me very happy as a basketball coach because I have been saying for since I started doing this with NBA players, uh, there's no such thing as a rookie mistake. They're just mistakes made by rookies, big difference. The rookie mistake brand is suggestive of only rookies make these mistakes. <laughs> that dude fucked up a high school sophomore would get yanked if, because their shot clock's now in high school. I think this year, the first year, they're doing a lot of it you know, in different districts. Take a guy out. The two for one in the end of a game is not the same as two for one in the first three quarters. It just yeah. isn't. And the fact that this grizzled veteran former mvp made that mistake and use that as an excuse is fucking ridiculous now i'm glad lebron didn't talk about it publicly by the way it's about the only decent thing lebron's doing off the court as a so-called leader i'll get out into the minute get into that in a minute but but that was it's a it, it, russell westbrook should never be on the court mm. uh, I, I won't say his name but someone i'm very very close with who loves the nba called me yesterday to say I'm never watching the Lakers. He doesn't love the Lakers, by the way. He just loves basketball. I'll never watch that team play again uh, as long as Russell Westbrook's on the team. Like, I'm done with them. He, he cannot make shots uh, c consistently. So if you're Portland and you pray to a God, <laughs> you're praying in that moment, please let Russell Westbrook shoot anything, anywhere that's contested or uncontested from the perimeter with any time on the clock, and that's a win for us. We'll take yeah. our chances. It, yeah. It's it's not strategically smart. AD and LeBron were playing great. You're trying to shrink the game at that point and po possibly get fouled, which would be fine, uh, as Portland kind of panics. It's it's a disastrous play and stupid. And he he's trying his ass off on defense, and maybe to defend Coach Ham, he's going with his best defensive players because they're playing excellent defense. Playing they defense. played three... Very good offensive teams, and they're 10th in defense right now. Just wait till they play some of the bad teams. They'll be top five, I think. They're really hustling. AD and LeBron are playing super hard. Russell's trying on defense. Congratulations. But that's on the coach to have that guy out of the game. And he me I don't care about his brand name. He messed up having Russell Westbrook in the game late, and they paid the price for it. But that is just the tip of the iceberg with what's going on there. Toronto. Yeah, you, no, you, you hit it on the head there. I mean, you, you mentioned, of course, he missed a shot. Uh, West again, it's three games, but still, his numbers are what they are, as you say. His effective field goal percentage is 30%. League average is 50%. Like, that's just, as you, that's bad basketball. Like, I, think, I think he's had the worst three consecutive shooting games, tied for the worst in Lakers history, and he only tied himself in January. <laughs> yes, correct, correct. I don't, I don't know what else to say. There's no way that guy should be on the court. So let me ask you this question. You don't think, you don't 
you don't think this is any kind of purposeful sabotage job by Russ to get himself out of there. You just think he's just doing dumb things. I mean, was he sabotaging himself in January of last year? Of 2022? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that he has, I think there are players who can't adjust to their different bodies and they tend to play themselves out of the league. They tend not to be MVPs. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook has uh, always been an athlete first. I would not say that about LeBron. I would not say that about Jordan. Those guys are as good as athletes as we've ever seen for their position. I would argue Jordan right there is one of the best athletes of all time as a two. Uh, LeBron as a three, four, you know, tops of of the best. But they were brilliant thinkers, decision makers, all of that. Russell is the most athletic point guard of all time in his prime, in my opinion and never had the mind for it. Not as a point guard, as a basketball player. He just didn't. He overwhelmed you with effort and athleticism and, and enough skill at the rim and all of that. That's gone. He's able to cook guys at the rim, at the perimeter sometimes. Not a lot, but sometimes. But he can't finish at the rim very much. He can't yeah. jump like he could. He just can't. And this is game three. There's nothing positive happening there. I would never play him again, and I would try to find a team to take him. Uh, as best as I could, but they'll be better. Just in, they're better off addition by subtraction. Just yeah. just asking him. We no longer need you around. Period. Nope. And what do you think the reason is for him never developing the basketball the requisite basketball IQ? My guess is it's just a guess. My guess is the same reason why the elite guards of our last decade and a half all came into the league unable to shoot. The Derrick Roses, John Walls, Russell Westbrook, think of all these guys. They didn't need to. Nobody could stay in front of them at any level ever. Put two guys on them, whatever. They blew right by them. This league is different. This is the world's best athletes too and taller, longer guys. They look like them or bigger. And uh, they learned how to shoot. Russell didn't. The other guys did. Derrick Rose, John Walls to some degree got much better. Uh, That same mindset Russell had of just – fuck the world I'm coming mm-hmm. uh, doesn't, you just can't keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You can't keep doing it. You, I know you watched game. I don't think you watched game of Thrones, right? Oh, when yeah, it came out. Of course, yeah. yeah. So all these great warriors, you only had to lose once and you didn't survive to see a Correct. second one, but they all had <laughs> such bravado. Uh, the Viper thought he'd beat the mountain, mm-hmm. right. And toyed with it and got his head smushed. Um, Russell just, he's just so obstinate and so, steadfast in his belief in himself which is admirable in in many respects Mm -hmm. but this this is different than life Mm -hmm. you just can't plow through as an athlete when you no longer are that athletic Mm -hmm. and it's it's coming at a cost and it's the sad part is gerard the team is melting down Mm -hmm. at zero and three despite being a top 10 defense Mm -hmm. By far the worst shooting team of all time after three games. Oh, yeah. With players that aren't that bad as shooters. Pat Beverly's a good shooter. Kendrick yeah. Nunn's a good shooter. Missed a year, a full year. Mm-hmm. If they make even just a few more threes, they're two and one and are surprised the league. Mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. Again, they haven't played any bad teams yet. Uh, but there's a sinister thing happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that voice. That's good. <laughs> um, LeBron and AD don't give a fuck about this team. They don't mm-hmm. care. Uh, here's what I saw yesterday, and I'm not alone. LeBron fires a pass, not quite at half court, but far out to Damian Jones cutting to the rim. Great pass, but that thing had smoke on it. It was like a Tom Brady missile in his prime to Gronkowski. (laughs) Now, Damian Jones does not have good hands. 
He's a Vanderbilt guy. He's got a great mind. He's a great guy, soft-spoken, plays his ass off, very athletic. But Gerard, if Damian Jones had great hands, he'd be a $20 million guy. <laughs> but he, he's a $2 million guy because he doesn't have great hands. So he dropped it and went out of bounds. Now, I think if Steph Curry, not always, but often in that situation, especially when the team is struggling, makes that play, he claps his hands like, hey, I'm going to throw it to you every time. Be ready. Something where it's uplifting. just forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Uplifting. Exactly right. LeBron looked like, what this, what's this motherfucker doing on my team? Man, I mm. gave him a perfect pass, which he didn't. He acted as if he never makes a mistake <laughs> and that Damian Jones only makes mistakes. And that is not how you build trust with your team. His facial expression and body language sucked. Now, in that same game, in that same half, maybe even the same quarter, AD gets one of his six block shots to ride. This is not a soft one. This was baseline drive, throw that shit out of bounds, inspiring. They were really guarding. Mm-hmm. And Lakers were swarming. Tons of steals. They lead the league in steals, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Fucking well, everywhere. AD gets his block shot. Nobody moves. No, none of the four Lakers on the team look at him. They don't dap him. They don't chest bump him. They don't do that primal scream. They do nothing. And then I think significantly, AD doesn't do a damn thing either. He just acts like, well, here I am cleaning up your guy's mess. It wasn't my guy. I had to do your shit. Nothing. So I've now confirmed my own eyes with sources. There is no leadership there from those two guys. Pat Bev is their team leader. You can see it during a game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They they have abdicated their position of leadership for whatever reason. Uh, They've quit on a team already. I am shocked. Uh, No no spirit, no belief. They're done. So either they want to be traded or they want major trades coming in. But they are, I mean, they could change tomorrow, right. but that, the way they're playing right now, it, to me, is in a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bruise on the legacy of LeBron and AD that they have acted so without joy on this team who easily could be two and one and one of the more surprising teams in the league. Wow. That was a Coach Thorpe bomb early on a Monday morning. All right, let's, let's unpack that. Yeah. Um, there is, woo, I mean, the part about it that's so crazy to me, Coach, is we're only three games in. Like, this is LeBron, and I mean, let's move AD to the side for a minute. LeBron, more yeah. than anybody knows, we got 79 more of these things to go. A lot can happen between now and 79 games. How are you already out on the team? Or 0-3, this ain't football, where you right. go on, you start the season 0-4, making the playoffs probably not going to happen unless you really turn things around. We got time here, and as you said, they're playing great defense. You, you hit a couple threes. You're probably two and one, and the whole attitude is different. So this is that that leadership vacuum we talked about. And, of course, because we have no choice and because he is, as you often call him, the Tim Duncan of this this generation, we have to look at Stephen Curry. right? Right. The Draymond Green situation. Now, I'm not saying everything's perfect and all good and light. I'm not saying that. In fact, I know it's not, and there's still things happening under the surface that are. But Curry has done the work necessary to get everybody else on that locker room to say, hey, we know we got to deal with this thing, but let's all come together and do what is necessary to win games. And again, it's that we talked about the Jordan style of leadership, right? Which is I'm going to get on you, grind on you, berate you, right? And and I mean, they won six titles. We wouldn't say it's ideal. They won six titles. But this idea of sort of 
passive aggressively creating a vacuum and a leadership void, that is not how you lead. That's not how you inspire. There's no royal jelly. There's no, and those guys on that team need that, right? And if Pat Bev is the guy who is leading, and it's, I have no problem with Pat Bev, no. but that, that can't, if you got LeBron on your team, that can't happen, right? Because the rest of the dudes on the team are looking around going, well, man, I'm going to get, because they know how this works. No matter what LeBron says about, I don't make decisions. They know, crap, that guy's going to get me tossed out of here and traded come the trade deadline or who knows what's going to happen. It's, it's a bad situation. And I have to, you have to look at the top, right? It starts with ownership. I mean, you, when you set a culture that doesn't promote the kind of leadership that the Warriors do, right? This is what you get. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely, like you said, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, I'd like the owner and, and Palinka and Ham to sit down LeBron and AD and tell them this is unacceptable. You, you, the money we're paying you, the status that you have in this league, you have abandoned these young players. We know how LeBron feels. It's very obvious. We've always known how he feels. He doesn't like playing with young guys. He'd rather you not be as athletic, not have as much energy, but be more skilled and know how to play. He has no interest in, he's like KD this way. He doesn't want to babysit you mm-hmm. and teach you and help you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do that. And as you said, contrast that with Steph Curry, who is absolutely embracing Moody, Kaminga, and Weissman. Mm-hmm. And uh, they scored 89 points in the first half. They had 50 points second quarter. Uh, they play with joy. The Lakers, those, there's no joy. There is just stress. I, imagine... Playing for the Lakers, you're Kendrick Nunn, you're Pat Bev, you've never played the Lakers before. Uh, you have a terrible first game, you shot terribly, and LeBron just says, Well, you're not a good shooter. That's what he said in the postgame yeah, press conference. Exactly no belief, right. nothing. Kendrick Nunn's a good shooter. Pat yeah. Bev's a good shooter. They're not great shooters, they're good shooters. They could be great. Nunn, especially, has an upside. Nothing from their leadership. It is, like I said, if you were a CEO of a company and you had a star employee, you would bring him in or her in. And you would say, this is unacceptable. We have to, I mean, I'm not saying suspend, but we have to have a different voice from you or we have to reconsider where we're going in the future. Mm -hmm. Do you want to get traded? Tell us. Don't just Mm -hmm. act the jerk. Tell us. You don't want to be here anymore. And we'll see what we can do. The Lakers can get a whole bunch of good players for those two guys. Sure can. A whole bunch of good players and picks. Just let us know. We'll, We'll build for the future. In fact, I would argue if you trade both, you might, you might get the most assets in the history of the game. If there's a team, OKC wants those two guys, you can get a whole bunch of picks. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of possibilities here. Yeah. Um, there's also Bradley Beal looks great. Mm-hmm. I don't know the Washington wants to trade him. Damian Lillard looks amazing. I don't know the Portland wants to trade him. Both mm-hmm. teams and players have acted as if they don't. But you know things change. Of course. Like, just find a way to get to be five and six. Not hard to do when you're as talented as Lakers are. Mm-hmm. Get a little lucky from three, like a lot of teams do all the time. And you might be able to get one of those guys and everything changes. But, you know, why would you, why would you, if you're the management, why would you even do that with these two guys? Now you're going to start caring when we do it your way? Fuck that. But that's how it's going. Yeah, no, it, and I I always think back to it, coach, like, you know, LeBron not liking young guys and all this sort of thing. And it's like, he did the same thing when he first arrived, right? Yep. At the Lakers. But, and who did they give up? They gave away Brandon Ingram. Yep. Zubac. Zubac. Josh I bet you like have all those guys right now, LeBron. Yes. Bet you'd be a lot yes. better if you had those guys right now, wouldn't you? Right. So, like- so we here's what we say, Gerard. Uh, we've talked about this before. Um, you and I think are very much on the side of player empowerment, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for a million good reasons. 
But uh, as I said, when my friend Stan Van Gundy took over as president of the Pistons and head coach, nobody can do both. They are both full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. And as, as a career man myself, I, I try to think of my career as a jigsaw puzzle, but I only have so many hours in the day. And I, if I want to do new projects, I've got to fit it into my schedule to make sure I still have the time to be a dad and a husband and all of that kind of stuff and to live my life well. Uh, it's hard to be, it's impossible to be an all NBA player and the general manager of the team. Correct. And LeBron has failed repeatedly at that. Repeatedly at that. Uh, I like the Lakers team they put together when they won two years ago. I like to go into the bubble and I think they could have won whether it was the bubble or not, but I definitely thought they'd win once we had that pandemic situation. Uh, and I know LeBron had some voice. I don't think he picked Vogel. I also don't think he was excited about Vogel, but he allowed him. He played defense. AD mm -hmm. held him accountable. They played D and they won. Mm -hmm. uh, this team, the way AD's playing right now, he's defensive player of the year candidate. He's playing very well. For sure. And yet they just have quit on these guys already. Just, you know, and I've always, I've, you've, you've heard me push back on the idea that LeBron makes everyone better. No, he doesn't. And he never has. That's a false narrative. Ask Jay Crowder what it was like playing for him in Cleveland. And he ain't the only one to ask. He, he has, he's a great passer, for sure. One of the best ever. Um, and we'll get to a, the best passer maybe of all time in a second. One of the best. But um, it, he has failed in, in uh, what could be, I thought, you know how I was on them, potentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. And part of the reason I was so high is I happen to believe in Thomas Bryant more than most. I don't hold people responsible for ACL tears yep. and then and then being traded. I mean, being basically, they traded for Porzingis and the Wizards stopped playing him. They need help in their second unit offensively. He's a bucket. He's a walking bucket that has beat 40% from three twice mm -hmm. before his ACL tear. He's back in three weeks. Yep. Like, just got to tread water. Dennis Schroeder, as a scorer, works in their mm -hmm. second unit. Sure does. Start Kendrick Nunn. Give him some royal jelly. Send Russell Westbrook to the showers. Send him to another team. Send him home, whatever. He should never be on, in that jersey again. And uh, they'd be just fine. But it doesn't matter if, LA, if LeBron and AD don't believe. Yeah. And, you know, so LeBron, if I'm not mistaken, this is the last year of his deal. Uh, I believe he's a free agent next summer. AD's got next year and i believe he's a player option yep he's got a player option in 24 25 i mean you know the lakers right their whole thing is like we get stars stars come here that's that's what the lakers do they're not really interested in development and and those kinds of things which i mean again i keep going back to that hall they had of, of draft capital right and, and lonzo ball uh, right brandon ingram like all these young um, who are, are good who are excellent, very good yeah. Right, I mean, all all starters yeah. with uh, Ingram is a potential all star. Yeah, pro probably sure. an all star. Yeah, uh, Zubac Zubac definitely a starting center. Lonzo yeah. definitely a starting guard. Yeah, 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 and, and Josh Hart's a starter too, probably. Yeah, or at he least is. a good backup. You sure? And, and I just you know you give all that up because you want to do your star thing, and we're just going to chase rings. I. Uh, it, so what do you think ends up happening? Do you think, do you think the Lakers, do you think LeBron tries to force his way out of there? Do you think AD tries to get out? What do you think actually ends up happening? I think the first thing is Westbrook's gone. Whether, whether, whether via, you know, via trade uh, or um, we just don't need you around anymore or just stop playing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. But this is a guy that only took that absurdly terrible shot <laughs> that a sophomore in high school wouldn't take, mostly if he was coached right. He also complained about coming off the bench yes, when he, he sucks and claimed that's why his hamstring. How offensive yeah. is that? Yeah. For every guy that's been coming off the bench forever, yeah. 
Yeah. But that's why you hurt. Come on, dude. Yeah, like no, you yeah. don't care. Yeah. So we yeah. aren't playing you. Yeah. At least you're trying on defense. I give you that. But you can come to the game, cheer for you. He does cheer when he's off the bench. Well, mm-hmm. the other guys don't. LeBron and AD don't, but he, uh, he does. But that ain't good enough to earn playing time. So stop no. playing him. That's the first thing I think will happen. Yep. Well, folks, stay, pay attention to this Lakers situation because it's interesting. Coach Thorpe was high on them to start the season, but the yep. things that are happening right now, we're not liking what we're seeing. Again, it's only three games. Let's see after yep. 10, after 15, where they are. And at the 20-game mark, when we're about a quarter of the way through the season, even though teams can change, things can happen. You'll you'll know a lot about a team 20 games in, about what they're really about and what's happening. So stay tuned. All right, moving to another team that's got some bad juju, the Philadelphia 76ers. 0-3, uh, Embiid had 40 points on Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it was. Um, uh, Harden didn't shoot well that particular game. doesn't matter. They, they lost again. The minute total's already ticking up for them. Doc's got Harden and Embiid playing 40 plus. I'm like, we're in game three. How are they playing 40 minutes already? That was against the Spurs. A, a, a Spurs team they should probably beat, right? Like Because yeah. the, we know the Spurs aren't trying to win games. Well, no, I, I would say the Spurs are uh, – Playing with an inferior deck. Yes. And so uh, they went into the season knowing they're not going to win a lot of games because there's not enough talent. They're just too young. But they play the right way. I think Devin Vassell is an emerging star. I've been yeah, high on yeah. him since mm-hmm. the draft. And he's had two, I think he's had 45 points in the last two games as a jump shooter. Uh, they play D. He plays, he really plays D. But yes, that should not have been that competitive a game, much <laughs> less they lose. I was texting with a Sixers player this morning. And I'll say, I'll say this after that. Um, we text it a lot. Um, he's surprised that they're 0-3. Like, they don't hate each other. Okay, good. Yeah, good. I know. I felt the same way. Like, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. They don't, he doesn't know really what's happened. What, why is this happening? Um, because there's, there's not, they're not at each other's throats like, like they are in LA. Harden and Embiid aren't being jerks. Okay. We know, we know Embiid had plantar fasciitis this summer. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, that had an impact a little bit on his training. But he, like you said, he had was 40 against the Spurs, was it? Mm-hmm. Is that yep. the third game he had 40? Yep. He was terrible the game before that. Correct. Um, I, I, this is not going to make our Philly, the, the, the three Philly fans that we have maybe happy. <laughs> They're the worst fans in basketball. They're the worst. <laughs> Gerard, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, and I'm saying this from my heart. Okay, this is nothing with the city. I love the city. It's a very, very cool spot. Um, man, I don't need you as a fan if you're only going to share one rolling. I don't need it. I, I treat your, if you want to be part of this team, well, here's how I treat my team. Where are you when we're struggling? Right. That's right, what right. I tell my team all the time. I don't need you jumping up and down. We're up 50 with, a, with five straight dunks. You can do it if you want to. It ain't helping us. We're already up 50. Okay. Where are you when we're down five and struggling? How engaged are you as a teammate on the court and off? I have screamed at my bench just as much as I have my guys on the court when we're failing. Unless they're in it. And if they're in it, okay, you're doing your job when you're not on the court, whether you're mm-hmm. a rotation player or not. I feel the same way about fans. You want to puff your chest out when we're rolling. When we're winning, you're all excited. We, we, we. Where are you when we're not rolling? Well, here's where the Philly fans were. They were booing to LNB. The wow. same fucker. They, they always love to say MVP, MVP. He's our guy when he's on the free throw line and he's playing great. Same dude. Same guy. That's our guy. That's our motherfucker, right? But when he's struggling, you're booing. You boo him? Yeah. Man, you're a bullshit fan. I don't need you. That's why I can't be a GM, because that's exactly what I'd say. We don't need you. 
We don't need you. We'd rather play in it from an empty stadium. The truth is there's enough fans that get it. They understand their role. You help us play well by cheering for us. It doesn't mean you have to be super loud all the time, but I'll tell you something. The Pelicans lost last night to Utah. That's a bad loss. Yeah. Okay? Although Utah's 3-0, they're not a good team. They're not going to last for long. We'll talk about them later. Maybe not. I don't like talking about them. They don't care about themselves. <laughs> but I listened to the, the uh, I think it was Antonio Daniels, is their color mm-hmm. commentator. Yeah. Late in the game, he had chills, he said. The crowd was, un- they were down 22. And they took a lead. The crowd was incredible. I spoke to some Pelicans people today. Yeah, they lost the game, but there's a lot to be. Now, Zion didn't play after a really bad fall. He's yeah. fine, I think. Okay. Really bad fall. Ingram didn't play mm-hmm. after the second quarter. Herb Jones somehow was made of rubber because he, I thought, dramatically uh, or significantly hyperextended his knee. It looked very bad. I watched it live. I'm like, oh, my God. And they showed on tape that he became worse. So he wasn't the same. And yet they came back and almost won a game that they were getting killed in. And the fans were great. Great. They didn't quit on them when they were down 22. Philly, I don't care if you want to snowball Santa Claus. It's made up figure anyway. <laughs> but when you're booing your best player because he's having a bad game, we yeah. don't need you. Yeah. Stay home. Let's get some new fans in that actually understand their role. I, I let, well, look at that. Coach Thorpe's on his soapbox this morning. He's letting you all know. <laughs> I will say I'm glad that you got that insight that the guys don't hate each other on Philly. And yeah. like it's just, you know, that's good. That's good to know because, you know, you start out 0-3 when you have championship expectations as they do, things could get ugly really fast. So that's good to know. Um, I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the play. I, I saw good stuff in the Boston game and I saw good stuff in the Milwaukee yeah. game. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I think something, a, a made three here or there, maybe they're 2-1 and one instead of 0-3, instead of right? And they're looking a lot better. Um, I still think overall, though, and this is something you've talked about, there's still some issues, right, in terms of Doc wants to get them playing fast, but it's hard to play fast when you got Embiid and Harden, right? Yeah. Embiid ain't racing down to the floor, right, to get to get the spots. And Harden, while well, he'll he'll pass ahead, but if no one's up to pass ahead to, he's just going to dribble the ball up, right? So there there are a couple things to be concerned about basketball-wise for them still. I, so, so I was texting with this Sixers player and wrote, Harden leads the league in triples. <laughs> and he, he wrote back, uh, that's probably not a good thing, is it? But there was a real innocence to it. Like, uh, they, they love, they like him. Like, there's, yeah. there's not an animosity towards James. Yeah. I think they've got to be more pragmatic about when James plays like Houston, mm-hmm. James. Mm-hmm. And, when he, and, and as I said to you, uh, I don't believe in James Harden being back the way he was in Houston. Right. We said right. this on Thursday. Mm-hmm. He'll have his games. Mm-hmm. It used to be four games and five. He was unbelievable. Right. Or the truth is sometimes 10 and 10. Correct. Like he just murdered you every single, he had all those, you know, the streak mm-hmm. of 30, 30, whatever it was, 30 mm-hmm. and 10 or whatever, whatever crazy streak he had, 40 point games. That's not this guy. He, this time he had two amazing games and then one clunker. Mm-hmm. And if you can get two great games out of three, you're doing great. I don't mm-hmm. think they will. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be three and 10, four and 10 as a season. I may be wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, you've got to find other ways. That's where Tyrese's comes in. That's where James should be learning from his former teammate Russell Westbrook and recognize, I don't feel the same. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't uh, act as if it's all on me. Yeah. I have Joel and I have Tyrese. I need to be more of a playmaker, passer, yeah. Yeah. less of a playmaker, shooter, scorer. When I just don't feel like I've got it, energy yeah. wise, whatever. And uh, to me, it's all on Doc at this point mm-hmm. to, to keep his team rallied up. I'll, I'll ask you, a, I know no pop quizzes, but um, <laughs> you'll like this. Uh, 
So Jordan, the last Jordan lost three games in a row. Oh, three to start the season. Mm-hmm. Got really angry. I don't know what he did. He yelled and screamed, whatever. About, and I, I want to talk about Jordan another way too in a minute. They won the championship that year. That's the last team to start with three in the championship, I believe. I believe I'm right when I say that. Uh, I know it's his last time because they didn't lose three in a row again for eight years. They did. The Bulls, obviously, Jordan was a part of that, didn't lose three in a row for eight years. There is a resilience you have to have. And on Jordan, his first three years, he was maniacal. Mm-hmm. But I've heard Bulls teams, teammates talking about him being a different player after he played baseball. And I heard Jordan say, and again, we all can mythologize the past. Uh, we all saw the last dance. Well, everyone but Henry saw the last dance. Um, <laughs> Jordan has said that he realized after watching these hungry motherfuckers in baseball accept mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. even though he was trying to take their jobs and their money mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. mentor him. And he realized, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm too much of a ball buster. He, I don't think he changed into Mr. Lovey Dovey Puppy Dogs and Ice Cream, <laughs> but I think he grew up a little bit, which is yeah. what most people do. Yeah, and uh, that that's valuable. Valuable yes. to do that. Um, that that's very needed in this game. Very very needed in this game. And Harden needs to recognize where he doesn't have what he used to have, mm-hmm. and how do I adjust so he's not falling into the Russell Westbrook trap. Yeah, and I think, honestly, it's funny that you mentioned that because I feel like we kind of saw that in the Milwaukee game especially. Because when they were down early, he was doing the thing, feeding it to Embiid, getting it to Maxi, doing, and it's like, we're still down 20. That's when he's like, all right, now I'm going to go in the James Harden-Houston mode, and that was the only thing that was working for them offensively to get them back in the game. So I think it's going to be a process, right? Because you talk about all the time. When you've been an MVP, and as you said, should have been MVP probably three times, when you've been yep. that level of a player – it's hard to switch into a different mindset, right? So like now go, okay, now I got to do it this way, right? So I think it'll be, it'll be a feel-out process. But if the locker room is like, no, we don't, we don't hate the guy because he's not coming in and like demanding or doing any kind of thing, that could be helpful. So if we're contrasting these two 0-3 teams, it's bet, you, you'd be a lot more positive about Philly. If you're a Philly 76ers fan, you're about the Lakers, right? At least they're not for fracturing sure. internally. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, so you brought up Curry originally. Mm-hmm. I would argue that uh, he's the he's the best player in the history of the game since Magic at competing with joy, mm-hmm. right? So unbelievable competitor, and smiles, laughs, enjoys it. Magic was the same. Uh, Dwayne Wade was different, and and I loved the way Dwayne Wade played. A fierce competitor. He, he his his joy was different. No, nothing bad at all. Uh, uh, I think Joel Embiid um, t- could take a page out of of Curry as well. Mm. I don't see him competing with Joy, even when he scored forty. I didn't watch that whole game, but I watched half of it. Um, there, there, there's a there's a lightness to Curry, mm-hmm. like that, that's beneficial. Like the, you're not solving the Iraq War, you're not solving the <laughs> Afghanistan War, you're not beating cancer, right. you're not saving someone's life. Let's just have some perspective on this. We're we're privileged to earn the money we make. We are, we earn it. We've worked for it, uh, but it's a basketball game, and joy is part of the experience. If you if you're if you're, you're it's not jazz if there's no spirit to it. Yeah, and basketball is jazz, as you know. Yeah, it it, it then it's just really, literally right a bunch of just individual musicians just doing their yeah. thing, and that's right. you know you that can ain't feel good. that. There's no feeling to that when you're listening. There's no feeling. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Adam Silver was recently in Phoenix talking to um, Sun's employees. Um, you know, we know it went down there with Robert Sarver and that whole incident. And Adam, you know, on behalf of the league, was apologizing to what was going on and just also giving sort of a state of the league kind of impromptu with a Q&A with some Sun's employees. And someone asked him about tanking. And he's like, oh, no, this is we've had hundreds of meetings about this, particularly this year, because everybody knows you got two guys in the draft and Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson that are, you know, teams, particularly Victor. It, it, yeah, he, he's a once in a generation type of talent. Many, so, many generations, right, many generations. So yeah. teams are going to do what they can to right. try to get him. Right. And Adam is concerned about that. And he mentioned because, you know, we love throwing the soccer comparisons in here. Obviously, the NBA has borrowed different things from European football. And he mentioned relegation and just the way the leagues are set up, right? Relegation wouldn't work here for us is what Adam's saying, right? Because, okay, we dropped two teams down to the G League. If we brought two, the best two teams up from the G League, that still wouldn't work because those teams aren't equipped to compete at the NBA level, right? It's just the way their business model works. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. And I started thinking about that and I'm like, what are ways we can set up so that it does work that way, right? I think we have 29 of the 30 teams or 20 of the 30 all have an affiliate G League, right? I think it's 29 and then the 30th. I think it's 29 now. Maybe Denver okay. doesn't or Portland doesn't. Maybe yeah, just one. One yeah. of them doesn't. And I wonder if yeah. we can do something with revenue sharing, right? Because the, the TV money is huge and all that, the luxury tax that we can say, okay, make the G League a legitimate, that is the, the, the bottom league, right, of the top. And if and do the whole thing where you're like, okay, if you move, I think the issue you have is, is that if you move the top two G League teams up, they don't play in NBA size arenas, right? So the I think that is where you have the challenge. And there ain't 60 NBA size arenas just laying out there in, in the world. So I think we, we have some challenges there. But I thought it was interesting that he did actually mention relegation. Well, what's interesting is that he recognizes the problem. And I'm a I'm a big believer, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but um I think not doing everything you can to win games um that makes sense for the five-year window, not just a one-year window. Um, it just detracts from your chances of being great later on. I think winning is a culture and losing is a culture. And uh, it's very, very hard to build a winning culture amidst lots of losing. So here's an example. I spoke to a two-way player. A two-way player called me, a teenager. He's young and he's on a bad team. Uh, got a lot of talent, this guy, a lot of talent. Really can be a high-level uh, uh, player. Said, um, he said, the smartest question he's ever, I've never had a player ask me a smarter question than this. <laughs> and he's 19 years old. He said, um, uh, what am I missing? What am I not prepared for that's going to happen to me this year? Because I want to get prepared for it. I know you can, you can figure out what's, what I don't even know to, to be worried about. And I said, oh, the losing is going to be really hard. Mm. You're going to lose a lot of games this year. Uh, if you're in the G League, which is possible as a two-way player, maybe not. But as long as you're with the varsity, your team's going to lose a ton. And it's just really hard to lock in on your routine every day when that is happening because mm -hmm. guys are competitive. It's a competitive league. These athletes are competitive. It's how they got there in the first place. And I think over time, and I've said this about the Sixers, I, I've argued with Sam Hinkie just a little bit, who's my friend, but I didn't really get into it much because, you know, he lived it. But uh, I just felt like you're setting yourself up for failure when you're trying to rig the system to draft better players at the, at the uh, risk of losing all the little things that matter to building a winning culture because habits are formed and they're hard to break. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
Winning is an Attitude, as John Cheney, I think that was the name of his book, Winning is an Attitude, one of my favorite books. Um, and so is Losing. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, having mentored lots of coaches and also had a son who's played for lots of coaches, it was easy to see the coaches that were used to losing. First of all, they sucked. <laughs> and that only made things worse. They, they had no foresight, no vision. Uh, they, and when they had a chance to win, that's all they want to do is win that game, even if it came at expense of losing later. They were just so greedy to get that one because they just had lost so much. And the, the best coaches at every level I've been at, they see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll lose some games now to win later, yep. but they're not trying to lose. Right. They're teaching. Yeah. They're making a point. They're getting guy reps, whatever. Um, and uh, I feel like Adam Silver recognizes that. Yeah. And so I will tell you something, too. And I don't know if I've told you this before on air, but there's a friend of mine who's a very powerful, influential guy in the NBA, high-level NBA influencer. That's all I said. And he said to me, he thinks like the Spurs are going to get, he thinks the Spurs are going to get Victor. Mm. I'm like, well, they had a you know, 40% chance if they, mm. you know, bottom three. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, this league's going to take care of the team that does it the right way. They're, mm. they're coaching their guys up. They're trying to win. Look at, look what's happening right now. Yeah. He said this to me before the season started. They're trying to win. They're just, they're young. Mm. They're not apologizing for that. You trade Derek White, you trade Jonathan right. Murray, you're building. That's fine. But in his mind, they're doing it the right way. And the NBA is going to take care of it. And so I naively said, there's no way the league is rigging the lottery. I, I've never believed that. Right. Uh, because what would that mean? Like professional wrestling. And he, and he said to me, he's like, David, think about who they're getting money from. You guys write about where they're getting money from. It's true. It's true. You think these people apologize for doing what they do for their business? Fuck no. It's true. And he's right. I told it to Henry about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's the right way to do it is to play young, yeah. coach your guys up as best as you can, try to win every game you can. When you like, I don't think the OKC is going to sit Shea. Right, Shea's twenty four. They're going to play him. Yeah, he wants to play. Mm-hmm. These guys are dying to play. If he's hurt, that's different. You don't take any chances. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to play a game you might play if you're in the playoff hunt when you're injured. When you're, in, I'm sorry, when you're hurt, not injured. Injury suggests of something worse later on. You can't play him. Mm-hmm. A guy in pain. Who, uh, who wants to make the playoffs, he might play. Maybe they'll sit Shea for that if he chooses. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll try to win. They're, they're just not a very talented team, okay? Right. They're playing their ass off. They're just not very talented. Um, but yeah, I think we're in a dangerous spot when teams are losing to get a player yeah. at a 14% chance to get him in the first place. Correct. That, to me, is bad for the league. Bad for yeah. the league. No, I mean, and, and you know, obviously, they did the cap smoothing odds, right? And made it everybody, the three teams with the worst work and all have 14% chance, right? So it's, they don't, it doesn't matter. Now, Here's what's also interesting. I think what you said is so right. Like you can have a culture of competitiveness and a winning culture and still lose basketball games. Right. Yeah. And that, and I think that's, like, that's fine, but you can't have the loser mentality of, all right, we're going to roll the balls out there. Who gives a shit? Like, you know, coaches aren't coaching hard. They're not putting the right substitution patterns together. They're not diagramming ATO plays. They're just like, whatever, we'll just stay and lose our games. Like that is the way to do it. Right. And that's what San Antonio is doing is to your point. They're just not good enough to beat good teams at a consistent rate to be playoff ready. But if you're still developing the guys, that makes your culture so much better so that when you actually are good, you don't have to instill a winning culture. We already compete hard. Now we're talented and good. So now we can win. Right. And I think that's doing both. Right. That's the challenge. I talked to an assistant coach this morning. Uh, His team's playing well. Uh, They've got some injuries, though. And so they're going to they're probably going to be they don't know. 
They're probably going to play a couple of games coming up here without some of their better players. Maybe some of their best players. I'm not sure. I, didn't, I don't know who was hurt, really. And he said, uh, what a great opportunity this is. It's not bad. It's a great opportunity. We're going to play some younger guys. We're going to play some guys that quite haven't been in the rotation. Uh, we need depth for the, for the length of the season. We think we can contend. We got to get deeper. We got to have a longer rotation. What a great opportunity. Uh, that's, that's the attitude you have to take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I, absolutely. So. And, and the good teams do that, right? So this yeah. is all exciting. The other thing Adam talked about in that conversation with the Suns employees um, was the potential of expansion, which we've talked about for a while. Yeah. Las Vegas and Seattle being the two cities that we think will get teams. Did he say that? He didn't say that, but he he tamped kind of tamped down. He's like, you know, it's something that he, like his usual standard line, something we'll look at, you know. Um, but he's worried about dilution of talent, right? He's like, I don't want to have like, you know, what we love about this season is so many teams are good, right? And we don't want to have it where you bring in two teams and now we have a real bad bottom part of the league. So I understand that part of it. Um, I thought that was interesting, but I think look, the money that you're going to get from expansion fees those other 30 owners aren't going to say no to that for too long, right? They're, they're, they're going to want the, the the billions of dollars that comes with those two expansion uh, teams. So we'll see what happens there. I also thought it was interesting because he mentioned, Adam mentioned the TV deal expiring, right? So I feel like it won't, the, the expansion won't happen until the new TV deal gets signed. And the current one ends, I want to say not at the end of this season, but the end of the 2024, 25, it's either that season or 23, 24, one, one of those two is when the, the the deal expires. When that happens and whatever streaming giant comes in or whomever the league partners with, that's when I think we'll, we'll, we'll see the expansion happen. And it made me think about, I don't know if you know this coach, the NFL, not this year, next year, 2023, will have his first Black Friday game. Um, so Amazon Prime is going to stream a Black Friday game. Everybody already knows Black Friday is a huge day. You go out to the stores, you're buying your presents, whatever. People already flood, flock to Amazon as is on Black Friday for deals, and now they're going to be streaming a Thursday game. Um, this is this no, is a Friday, a Friday game, yeah. A Friday, a, a Friday, yeah. excuse me, a Friday so, game. So they yeah. play. So they always Detroit, Dallas always yep. playing Thanksgiving. Yeah, I only can guess that because yep. in they my do. childhood they do. I, still, they still do. I don't turn TV. Thanksgiving <laughs> TVs have no place in my house. Yeah, they still yeah. do. So, so now Detroit, they play Friday too. Yes, One game. So Detroit, Dallas, and then a third primetime game on Thursday, and then Friday at three o'clock they'll have a game. Yep. Really. Yes. And it's, I mean, look, NFL is taking over every day of the week, as we can see, which is its own thing. Yeah, it's true. But Sunday night, Monday night. This yeah. is huge for Amazon because they talked about it when the first game, uh, Thursday Night Football game they did this year, that three hour block, that window, had the number one Amazon Prime signups of any three hour block in the history of the service. I'm like, well, of course it did. It's fucking football. Like, that, that, that's what this country follows and worships. So it'll be interesting to see what we do NBA-wise because Amazon's already going to stream some NBA games in Brazil. So it'll be interesting to see, can Amazon take over League Pass? Like, who knows? And it, it has to be – the thing about Amazon, and Henry and I talked about this, they ain't doing nothing that's not going to be a moneymaker. And if it ain't a moneymaker, they're cutting it right away. They're not in it for sentimentality or, oh, this is – no, we're trying to make dollars. If this ain't making us dollars – we're out of here. We don't. We don't want it. So you know, and, and we love the trash billionaires on this show, as as you well know. Mm-hmm. You, you were the first one to do it. You and me. <laughs> I followed along. Um, I had dinner with my soon to be eighty one year old mom. She's eighty one next week. Um, last night, and she she's got all sorts of muscle issues. She had to buy some kind of. Uh, it's, it, it can provide heat. We could also mm-hmm. uh, do some vibration for her terrible shoulders and her thighs and her hips. It's just she's eighty one, mm-hmm. and it didn't. It's not working, and she's so upset. I said, mom, did you get on Amazon? Yes. I said, 
there's a UPS store right next to your house. <laughs> Drive over there, go on your Amazon, your phone, or your right. iPad, right. and you click a button yeah. and just give it to them. Yeah. Like you, you don't have to put it in the box anymore. Yeah, they'll do so it. They already opened it. She's already opened it. I said, Mom, they don't care. Yeah, it's care. broken. Yeah. You're not returning it because you don't like it. Right. Which is a, maybe another thing. Amazon mm. makes it so easy. So easy. So as much as we can have our, our concern about billionaires, <laughs> if, if we can get more people to watch the NBA yes. and get our players and coaches paid more, yeah. the, owners, the governors make more money too, but it, they're, not all, they're not making but half of it. Right. I'm yeah. okay with that. I, yeah. I, uh, it is interesting. So turn your fucking TV on people on a holiday with your family. <laughs> if, you don't have, if you don't have family around, right. I get it. Right. Like it, it, you're, you're comfortable watching football. Right. But yeah, once I had kids, I was done. Dude, no, no, no Thanksgiving football in the Thorpe house. I Hell no. It. No football ever. <laughs> certainly not Thanksgiving. I tell, I tell people to come over and they're playing fantasy. Right. Not today. Not, they don't even ask, they don't even ask anymore. This will be the first year we're not even hosting it. We're, my son's playing on the road. Okay. So we're going to go watch him for the weekend. Okay. But yeah, we've hosted like 25 in a row. But this is, is, is the streak is over this year. Who, who is Florida State playing on the road this year? Well, they're playing at a Disney tournament in Orlando. Oh, okay. Big ESPN tournament. Okay. Yeah, Thanksgiving morning, eleven o'clock. Okay. We'll be watching Florida State play. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't remember who they're playing. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna spend Thanksgiving on the road a little bit. I, I you know, thinking of college basketball. As you know, I used to be a huge fan and watching now. As I, I just don't have time now. Um, yeah. And the product is whatever. Um, but Thanksgiving week, that's Feast Week. ESPN used to always, yeah, right? Right. right. All, the, all the big tournaments, right? That's Feast right. Week. That, Hawaii. That's, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I considered working in management for a team, honestly, one of the things I was most excited about is being able to take my wife on trips to Hawaii to watch college guys play. Yeah, why not, that's right? Really, she loves, she goes there a lot. I've never been. She's been there like five times, but I know she'd love it. So, yeah, yeah Feast man. Week is fun. Go, yeah. to, go to go to Feast Week. You go to the Hawaii tournament. You play Chaminade. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> right. 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 Absolutely. All right, we, uh, have, we have one surprising team that I promised I'd never talk about, but we have, probably have to talk about it. <laughs> we will. But before we get to that, okay. I want to talk about one of my favorite players, Michael Porter Jr. Yes, so, yes, yes. Right. He says he wants to change the narrative about him and take control of his career. These were quotes he gave after a recent game, their home opener against Oklahoma City Thunder, which they won. And this is uh, Michael Porter Jr. I just know that I have it in me, even through all the injuries, to be a good player on the defensive side of the floor. Um, It's really just trying to get past that being kind of thing that people talk about when they talk about me. I don't want there to be a thing like, yeah, he's a good player, but, or he was a really good shooter, but I don't want to hear that my whole career. And I love that he said that. And then his head coach, Michael Malone said, will he ever be Scottie Pippen? Probably not. I don't want him to be Scottie Pippen. I want him to be the best version of Michael Porter Jr. that he can be. Right now, what he's showing me is that he cares and that he's committed to trying. That is all I ever want. I'm going to make mistakes and players are going to make mistakes. But if you genuinely care and are committed to trying and making the effort, we're never going to have problems. I think Michael has shown a tremendous amount of growth in that regard, and I'm proud of him for that. And it made me think of in that Warriors game that they played on Friday night, he made a ton of defensive mistakes in that game. Okay, But late in that game when the Warriors are coming back, Curry had got him on a switch, which is what Curry wanted, right? Either going to go up for the three or going to try to drive, drive on him to the lane. Porter didn't give him the three, took it away. And Curry's like, all right, takes him to the rack. Michael stayed with him the whole time, got a block shot at the rim. I was like, look at this guy. He actually dug in and cared about defense, right? And I say this all the time, Coach, and you know, of course, in our Project True Hoop Tactics, we'll perhaps show some of this stuff at a future date. But I always say about defense, the first thing is, you got to give a shit on that out of the floor. If you don't, 
that's just, you're already lo- a, lo- a losing battle. So I love the fact that I'm hearing him saying he cares about that end of the floor. Yeah, it starts with purpose and passion. Uh, and that comes from caring. You're not going to have purpose and passion if you don't care about anything. So yes, that's, that's a super important. And then you have to be mindful of your strategies. Like what is, wh- I was talking to a rookie the other day, uh, last night, and um, he was shocked at, at how frequently experienced players aren't mindful of the defensive strategies that they're supposed to execute. Mm-hmm. I, I asked him literally, how do you like your defensive coordinator? He's like, I, I love what we're doing, but our, some of our veterans just aren't executing. Mm-hmm. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And he's like, and I am. I think that's why I'm playing because uh, he's a young player. Um, I love Michael Porter Jr. for what he said. Love that, man. I, and Mike Malone, who I've never really been a fan of, has just gone up in my eyes because that's, that's Royal Jelly right there, right back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be yourself, do the best you can. And I, I don't know that he needed to say he'll never be Scottie Pippen. I'm not sure he needed to say that. We kind of assumed. <laughs> yeah, we, don't, we already know that. <laughs> maybe top permanent defense player of all time, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, supporting him. And uh, on-ball defense is so important. It doesn't even matter if you can play off the ball well. It does matter. But if you can't guard the ball, you're not going to be off the ball. You're going to be on the ball because they're going to put, keep putting you on it. Mm-hmm. And you got to care. You have to know what the player wants to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to know what his counters are. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, yeah, that stuff matters. And I think a lot of these players, going back to Westbrook, their stubbornness has helped them reach their, like yes. CJ McCollum last night was unbelievable mm-hmm. late in the game against Utah. And uh, he was saying like, bad motherfucker. He made a couple of shots, <laughs> bad motherfucker. He was saying it to his bench, whatever. And I just thought he's probably doing this is not when he was 12, but at some point he realized I just keep making these plays. I must be a bad motherfucker. You know, it's like, it's like, um, I was not a good looking kid in high school. I can promise you that. And, um, I grew up a little bit and in college, all of a sudden, like, Hey, wait a second here. I, I might have some game here. You know, like girls actually talking to me as something more than just tell me about your really handsome friend. Um, CJ, to have that for years, the way CJ has, like, man, what a great feeling that must be. So it's really hard to admit, boy, I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. So much fun to think about what you're great at, mm-hmm. right? That's why I always tell the story of Ali versus uh, Foreman. Mm-hmm. George Plimpton told the story of how Ali, if, have you ever seen the movie uh, When We Were Kings? Yep. The unbelievable. So Plimpton tells the story about how um, Ali was getting killed in sparring. Mm-hmm. And he said, those of us that covered Ali knew he just works on his weaknesses the new journalist covering it because it was the ali foreman fight thought he was gonna get killed mm-hmm. but we knew better mm-hmm. no he always gets killed in sparring because he practices what he sucks at mm-hmm. that takes some humility yeah to do that and so good job michael porter jr you got a real chance now because of it yeah and, that, and that's huge for them and if he look you don't you don't need to be an all defensive player nobody's saying that but if you are not a net negative on defense, that is a yeah. huge step in the right direction. It's a big right? help. That's yeah. all. You don't be a net negative, right? Like, that's huge. So I, I, I'm glad that he's doing that. Looking forward to see what Denver does this year. Um, you know, the, the Jazz, the surprising Utah Jazz, the team that you never want to talk about because they don't care. They're 3-0. and Let's not lose our minds and, you know, get excited. It's only three games in. I mean, my thought process is, well, Danny's just trying to showcase the good talent he has. When the trade deadline comes, I'm going to ship all these guys out of here. But anyway, Utah's 3-0, and also, despite the fact that Utah's gutted and shed, traded Rudy away and Donovan and all that, these are NBA players after all. Like, they're, you don't get to that league by not being competitive. 
They want to be like, look, we know you all think we're going to suck, but we're going to play hard and try our best. And that they have a first year head coach, right? In uh, Will Hardy, right? Hardy, Who came yeah. over from Boston. Like he gave his shit to Boston. Like, I don't think he wants to sit there and be like, let's just go own 82 guys. Cause I don't give a crap. All right. So they're going to try now. Danny's going to pluck all their talent away. So they won't be very good, but you know, good, good on them for going three and to start the season. I think what's happened here is uh, same as the Spurs a little bit. They know ultimately it's not going to be a great year. There's no pressure. And so it's easier to play well when you're winning and do and playing well to keep it up. We'll see what happens when they start losing some games, which they will. Mm-hmm. But Will Hardy was lucky. He got Mike Conley to run the team. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the smartest, most experienced players we have in the league. Jordan Clarkson's the killer as a scorer. Mm-hmm. And Lori Markkinen is played really well this summer yes. for Finland mm-hmm. and has maintained it. And uh, Sexton's got some talent, but they, they, they have a certain style of how they play and they haven't changed it. Even though Will Hardy is a new coach. Mm. Um, it's amazing floor spacing. Uh, they really get their bigs to the corners and really stretch out that defense. Conley probes and prods, driving kick, swing, swing, swing. They've been better at that than everyone though. They've won more games the last five years than I think anyone. Mm-hmm. I literally think they have dismantled the number one team in the last five years because they had some postseason failure. Fire your coach, which you did. <laughs> right. They, they, they could have this team. They could have acquired Markkinen probably. Sure. Yeah. They could have done a deal with Royce O'Neal and someone for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously been very good for them. But uh, they, with Rudy and Donovan and Will Hardy, yeah. who's just a different voice in, in European soccer, Man, they fire you fast. Oh, yeah. Because you're a different voice and you're bringing some spirit. And then you get fired again if you start losing some games. Here comes another new one. Normally, it does refresh the energy. Mm-hmm. Quinn had just, Quinn's a better coach than Will Hardy, for sure he is. Uh, they run better stuff than what Will Hardy's done yet. He's mm-hmm. just first year and with a new team and young guys. But uh, I would have loved to see the old Jazz with Will Hardy. Mm. And then if Rudy and or Donovan. Uh, uh, just don't want to play with each other, then you can make a trade. Right. I don't think Minnesota would would not give you what they gave, gave you just because you try to win some games in October, November first. That being said, they play a certain way. Conley's gone soon. Yeah. Clarkson's gone soon. Uh, uh, maybe they'll keep marketing. Maybe they won't. I don't. I don't know what you know. I, I think they just want to get Victor. Yeah. And start <laughs> over. Um, but uh, I'm happy for Conley and Clarkson who. Helped build a hell of a team and then got slapped in the face for it. Yeah. And then, and you know, and Conley will probably hopefully find his way onto a, onto a team that's got a chance to compete, maybe. Um, play yeah. some meaningful minutes for them. Uh, you know, when we talk about the Lakers start the show, it'll be interesting to see what they do, right? Like with the Russell Westbrook situation and, and all that and try to rebound. Because I know the Lakers don't want to be terrible and miss the playoffs again this year. That's not part of their plan. I do question. Uh, to me, it was a no-brainer to get Conley for Westbrook. Utah gets saves money next year. They get some picks, whatever. Uh, they got Beverly instead. The Lakers did. That doesn't mean they won't go after Conley next. Right. Uh, I don't know that they will. I don't think Danny Ainge wants to help a, a competitor. Uh, definitely not. I think he hates the Sixers. I think he hates the uh, Lakers. The Lakers. The, yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a few teams. <laughs> Fine. He's a, whatever. You're running the team. So um, I like Conley for the Raptors, personally. Ooh, they need a backup point guard desperately. That, that would be huge for them. Yeah, I, I like him a lot for them. But there's a few teams I like him for. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they're – He's playing. He's, he didn't play great yesterday. He's playing well. Clarkson played great yesterday. He was really cooking. He's fun. And, he's a hard guy to watch, but he's fun. And he's a guy like he's scoring off the bench. That's that's yeah, your man. That's the guy. You need bench help. He's the guy. Um, we want to do a little shout out. Kudos to the point guard, Chris Paul. 
became the first player in NBA history with 20,000 career points and 11,000 career assists. I mean, that's – we talk about And they played great last night. They did. They he, rolled he, I mean, Clippers. He's, he's a hell of a player. I mean, yeah. to at his size, to have the career that he – because he's probably six foot with shoes on, right? For like sure. Yeah, he's small. To be to – be And that, not the most athletic either. Correct. Never. To, to do what he's done and be the winner he has in his career – I mean, that's just, yeah. that is insane. So kudos to Chris Paul. And then a couple injuries, folks, to keep your eyes on that, that I saw. Zion and Brandon Ingram uh, in New Orleans. Zion's the hip contusion. And not sure exactly what Ingram's deal he is. He landed. Zion landed right in his butt and his hip in a really yeah. bad fall. I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think I think they're both going to be out for a couple of games. Okay. Not for All long, right. I, don't, I don't think. Um, and they, you know, they got a lot of young guys. Look at, look at some run there. Uh, DiVincenzo uh, hurt his hamstring for the Warriors. Watch that uh, for him. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a nice bench player for them, and Scotty Barnes uh, on the Raptors got hurt over the weekend. Uh, that Miami yeah, he came out came out early second quarter, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not seeing an update on him either. So just yeah. you know, th- th- things to be mindful of. Um, so yeah, that is the NBA, folks. Stay tuned. We will be back on Thursday, of course. Thank you to those of you who listened to our project, uh, True Hoop Tactics. Uh, please comment at us on social media through the Substack app. Let us know what else you might be thinking as we continue to build out this project for all of you. And until next time, take care.